Hey friends, welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. Welcome back. If you are a previous listener, if it's your first time, uh, welcome. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first two episodes of this series. When you're done with this one, this one could stand alone. We're talking about how we think and how it affects our lives, defense mechanisms and how they hurt us. Today specifically, we're going to talk about schemas and how they can drive our behaviors in ways that does not help us. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, my friends, welcome back. Uh, this is part three of a series entitled Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. The last two weeks, we've talked about cognitive distortions and how they can act as defense mechanisms for us. In fact, the, the entire premise of this series is the reality that often the things that get us in trouble, we see the behaviors, but we need to go back one step from the behaviors and consider our habits of thinking that have led us to those behaviors. And when we can do that, what will happen is then we'll be able to change some of our behaviors because we can ask ourselves some questions like, what is it that I'm trying to protect myself from with this defense mechanism? And, you know, in truth, my wife and I see this a lot. We, 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 we see this, I think therapists, as therapists, we see this a lot. People, they develop defense mechanisms because something happens that is painful. They find a behavior that they can... Uh, counteract with, uh, try to counteract that pain with, and it works the first time they use it. And then what happens is that defense mechanism begins to overtake how they approach anything even similar to the situation that brought them pain. And we talked about a little bit about how one of the dangerous or, or difficult things with defense mechanisms is this reality that defense mechanisms often there are parts of them that are good. So we want to keep that in balance. We want to keep, uh, you know, balance to this idea that there are things that we should consider, especially cognitive distortions. Some of those in the right dose, they're actually healthy. And, and this is especially true of what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about today is called schemas. In its broadest term, schemas are ways that we organize information. So a young child might organize, might have a schema about uh, his parents. You know, dad has a beard and wears a hat. When I remember when I was a child, uh, my mom had a daycare center. One of the children that she would watch, it was in our home, one of the children that she would watch, if you were wearing a hat, that child would cry. One of the other children that we had, or that she had, if, that she would watch, if you didn't have a hat on, they would cry. Around the same age for each child. And, and what I know now, as a therapist, is this idea that... Uh, the, the schemas that the children had represented around hats were different. The one child had a schema that said hats were safe. The other one had a schema that said hats were not safe. And this probably came from the schema that each child had in relation to their parents or primary caregiver. And of course, there is the interpretation piece of that, right? Like perhaps their schema was, my dad wears a hat. I like my dad. People who don't wear hats, I don't know them. And the unknown is dangerous. There, there's, there are a bunch of factors here. What we want to talk about, though, is 18 specific schemas 
that we utilize often in ways that don't help us and, and don't help us to move forward. And, and probably everyone you know has some schema somewhere in their life that is hurting them. And it doesn't mean that it'll be permanent. It doesn't mean that it'll be forever. It doesn't mean that it'll be for their whole life. Uh, and the degree to which there's a negative impact will also vary. My wife was talking to one of her friends just this week and somehow the topic came up and her friend was like, well, I think I only have two. And my wife was like, well, I think you have six and kind of went through the other four. And the friend was like, oh yeah, oh, I see that. I see that. And part of it is, is remember schemas help us organize information and we jump into our interpretation from that organization of the information without much thought. So it becomes second nature to us and we may not see it or we may not see their impact. And, and sometimes the impact will be big. Sometimes the impact will not be big. It'll just be uh, something we need to be aware of. And, and one of the things that we have to consider, there is a uh, psychological discussion that will often happen for psychology students, counseling students, social workers who want to be counselors. Um, I'm not saying that facetiously. I, I, what I mean by that is the track that they take is social work uh, with an emphasis in counseling. And that is often what creates distress for people is the gap between what should be and what is. I actually have, have changed that a little bit in my own way of thinking to more of a, the, what creates the distress for people is the gap between what I expect to be or what I think I want and what is. And when that doesn't happen, tolerating that is very difficult. So let's just, for instance, say that Bob is married to Sue and they get divorced and he gets remarried very quickly or jumps into a very serious relationship very quickly after the divorce. And then that relationship falls apart. He will often talk about the way things should be. When he comes into the therapy room, most of his expressions will be idealizations of the relationship rather than actual conversation about what the relationship was. And this is true of organizations. I think, I think of organizations, especially organizations where the leadership's income is dependent upon people showing up weekly or daily or whatever and giving money. They are often reticent to talk about the problems with people uh, because often it, it can become infection, right? Anytime you have a conversation about the negatives in, in a in an organization, it can become an infection that runs through the organization. However, the problem is when we get to the spot where we no longer talk about the problems and we're caught in an idealization, we're probably caught up in some, some cognitive distortions and maybe even some negative schemas. Now, there is 18 schemas that we're going to talk about. We are not going to go into depth on all of them, and I'm going to try to do them all in one session. If you are like, whoa, I think that could be me, we're going to talk about that. Okay, let's jump on in. All right, the first one is emotional deprivation. Now, when I read these definitions, I want you to think about uh, some of the cognitive distortions we talked about and look for the word that there's one or two words in each one of these that moves it from, you know what, that could be healthy to it's not healthy. Emotional deprivation is the schema that refers to the belief that one's primary emotional needs will never be met by others. And these typically would fall into three categories. Nurturance, which are needs for affections, uh, closeness and love, so that's nurturance. Empathy, needs to be listened to and understood. And then protection, needs for advice, guidance, and direction. When people struggle with these, typically what happens 
is is they they tend to make plans to meet their own emotional needs and to never allow themselves to be vulnerable. That's the rub with emotional deprivation. And and what happens is the minute it feels like their emotional needs, whichever one of those three categories isn't being met, they tend to respond with an extreme. Maybe they they over uh, interact. One time I was working with a couple and every time after the couple would engage in sexual activity, the husband would be like, hey, was was that good for you? Did you, did you enjoy that? And it drove the wife nuts. And, and part of what was going on was the, the husband believed that if he didn't check in and make sure that it was good for his wife, his needs wouldn't be met. And he came from a, a background where uh, all you need is Jesus. And so the idea that he, when I suggested to him, maybe you don't feel like your wife meets your emotional needs... He, he actually laughed at me, literally in the room laughed at me, which is cool. But as we dug through it, this was one of the schemas that was running for him. The abandonment instability schema refers to the expectation that one will soon lose anyone with whom an emotional attachment is formed. This person can believe that one way or another, all close relationships will imminently end. We all know someone who struggles with this schema, or we all knew someone. If you think back to your days in high school, there was someone who always was going from friend to friend to friend to friend to friend because they were afraid that things would blow up. Often this can be coupled with what's called anxious attachment style. And what happens is, is the person will be like, well, it could be actually anxious or avoidant. The anxious attachment person will be like, hey, just tell me what I need to do to fix this. How do I make it right? And, and what happens is, is, is they're afraid that if they're not constantly checking in on the health of the relationship, that the relationship will die. Now, here's the problem with that. Of course, we need to check in on the health of the relationship, but it needs to be more than like, hey, is everything okay? How are you doing? Are, are we doing okay? Hey, are you all right? Do you still love me? And, and you, you know, you'll see this. I remember when one of my daughters first had a boyfriend of sorts, uh, often their text would, would lead with, he would lead with, do you still like me? And she'd be like, yeah, why? Do you not still like me? Now, they were little and young and it, it was it was cute. If that progresses into how they interact as adults, they're not, they're not, boyfriend or girlfriend anymore. But if that progresses into how they interact as adults, then what happens is now we have an unhealthy schema. All right, number three, mistrust, abuse. This schema refers to the expectation that others will intentionally take advantage in some way. People with this schema expect others to hurt, cheat, or put them down. They often think of terms of attacking first or getting revenge afterwards. In childhood, these clients were often abused or treated unfairly by someone. This becomes a really dangerous one for people because the thing they crave the most is healthy relationships. And the thing that they tend to destroy the fastest is relationships. Because relationships are scary. They open them up to the opportunity for someone to intentionally take advantage of them in some way. And I feel, this is me personally, this is anecdotal, but I feel like this is getting worse with our social influencer, uh, um, I'm not even sure what the word would be, but as, as we are confusing uh, fame with social influence fame, I think this is worth because what's worse, because what's happening is, is people are developing ways to feel like they're connected when they're really not connected to anyone. And so they lose the muscle memory of actually connecting to people and navigating through the difficult problems that come with being connected to someone so that you can be healthy. 
And and what happens is at the the less comfortable they become navigating through the difficult things that happen with relationships, the more difficult it is when they actually need to, which usually means it goes worse and therefore there's more pain. And so then this schema grows. Social, social isolation and alienation. This schema refers to the belief that one is isolated from the world, different from other people, and or not part of any community. This belief is usually caused by early experiences in which children see that either they or their families are different from other people. Often what I will hear from people who are doing this is you'll hear like, I'm just awkward, I'm awkward. Oh, sorry, I'm awkward. Oh, I'm a little awkward. Sorry about that. Or, well, hey, that's the culture that I came from. Like they get they get a lot of, sometimes people with this schema, they get a lot of information. Maybe they do a lot of self-study. Maybe they get some education, whatever. And they realize, oh, wow, how I grew up was really different. But then as an adult, their fear becomes that I'm so different, I can't come back to being more in the collective, if you will. Number five, defectiveness and shame. This schema refers to the belief that one is internally flawed and that if others get close, they will realize this and withdraw from the relationship. This feeling of being flawed and inadequate often leads to a strong sense of shame. So, so one of the exercises that I do with clients is I will often have them take time to write out every name that they've ever lived by, right? So my name is Joseph Paul Martino. I am dad. I am husband. I am father. I am friend. I am counselor. I am author, right? I am also, some names are loud, stupid, um, awkward, uh, weird. I've been called a lot of things, right? And, and, and what happens is we take these names on. So I did this one time with a client and, and he told me, he's like, you know, I don't really have any negative names because often what people do is they want to give you that, you know, their good names. Like I was first band, first chair in band or first chair in orchestra, whatever, whichever one gets your first chair, one gets your first instrument. I think that's band and one gets your first chair, I think is orchestra. And then, okay, well, tell me about the negative names. And he's like, well, I don't have any negative names. And then we got to talking and he was like, you know, uh, I, I got a text from this, uh, this guy that wants to go get coffee with me and I just keep blowing him off. I'm like, okay, well, why are you doing that? Well, because if he found out who I was, <laughs> and I can't mimic his, the, the way he did it, but kind of that like, you know, if he found out who I was, he wouldn't, he'd withdraw the offer for coffee. What, what, this, what this client had running and he didn't even realize it was the schema of defectiveness and shame. Number six, failure. This schema refers to the belief that one is incapable of performing as well as one's peers in such areas as career, school, or sports. Often they'll feel stupid, inept, or untalented, and they often don't try anything because they figure they'll fail anyhow. Here's the thing with this particular schema. I can't do everything as well as my peers, but there are things that I can do, and I'm not destined to fail at everything that I try. And people with this schema often feel like they are destined to fail no matter what. And so they just don't try anything. All right, so that's number six, the schema of failure. Number seven, the schema of dependence and incompetence. This schema refers to the belief that one is not capable of handling day-to-day responsibilities competently and independently. People with this schema often rely on others excessively for help in areas such as decision-making and initiating new tasks. Generally, parents did not encourage these children to act independently. Often what happens with people as they struggle for this is they are paralyzed in making decisions because they're always getting other people's 
uh, input. In fact, this week I talked to someone who runs an organization and it was our initial conversation as I was doing some consulting for their business. And the very first thing I thought was this person has a potential for a schema of dependence and incompetence. In other words, they don't make decisions and it's not only paralyzing them, but in this case, it's paralyzing their their organization. I, I, I've talked before about a guy I know that wanted to do podcasts and instead of just doing it, he went out and bought like $10,000 worth of equipment and then he just is paralyzed. Now, probably there's a failure schema running there as well as the dependency one. But again, that dependency incompetence, I'm not competent enough. I have to get all this special equipment and do all this stuff. All right, number eight, vulnerability to harm and illness. This schema refers to the belief that one is always on the verge of experiencing a major uh, catastrophe, financial, natural, natural, medical, criminal, etc. It may lead to taking excessive uh, precautions to protect oneself. If you have a friend that cannot operate without uh, the hand sanitizer, they may well have this uh, a schema. My wife, I don't think I'm putting this out there inappropriately. She would say that this is one of her schemas. If she's sick, she has to have really strong self-talk in order to navigate through being mentally strong and emotionally strong so that she can do the things that she wants to do in her life. For a lot of people, this one, this one has really blown up in the last two years because a, there's some really scary things going on out there, and B, there's a lot of arguments about how we should react and how we should think, and no one's really having conversations. Number nine, enmeshment and undeveloped self. This schema refers to a pattern in which you experience too much emotional involvement with others. Usually it's parents or romantic partners. It may also include the sense that one has too little individual identity or inner direction, causing a feeling of emptiness or floundering. You'll see this a lot with people who like, they're so enmeshed in their family that you don't know who they are. Now, here's the thing. There is, there. this is where this, again, remember, it's one or two words that makes these things dangerous for us. There is this idea of where I end and my wife begins is is, is and the right dose, it's, it's healthy. If struggling to figure out where I end and my wife begins, my wife ends and I begin. Because there's an ancient, an ancient concept of two people becoming one. That's, that language is still in almost all of our marriage ceremonies. Two people become one. However, uh, my daughters, my, my son, they need to have their own opinions, and including my wife. I was talking to a couple just this week, and I was like, the problem isn't that the two of you have disagreements. The problem is, is that you seek to control the other person by making them do what you want them to do rather than allowing them to be who they are. If you continue to do this with each other, when you have children, you will raise an adult who probably is vulnerable to the enmeshment schema because he won't know where he starts and you end or where you end and he starts because he won't have his own identity. Subjugation, number 10. This schema refers to the belief that one must submit to the control of others in order to get, avoid negative consequences. I'll see this a lot with couples who are in a dangerous place. Every time I say that, I, I think of that song that was around in the early 2000s. We fell in love in a... It's probably not even a dangerous place, but that's the word that's in my head. And now you've heard me sing. So uh, whoever you go to see as a therapist, I would prefer that they send me a little bit of money as a referral since you had to hear me sing without warning. All right, but this subjugation is if I don't do what my husband wants me to do, I'm going to get negative consequences. If I don't do what my wife wants me to do, I'm going to get negative consequences. Often when I'm working with couples where this is running, what I'll hear them say is, I don't know how to talk to him. I don't know how to talk to her. I don't know how to say what I need to say. What they really mean is, I don't know how to talk to them so that they don't blow up on me. And of course, 
If you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that I firmly believe we cannot control what other people do. And so there's really no way that you can talk to them and make sure that they won't blow up on you because they're responsible for whether or not they blow up on you. All right, number 11, self-sacrifice. This is the schema that refers to excessive sacrifices of one's own needs in order to help others. When these clients pay attention to their own needs, they often feel guilty. You will see this in people doing a lot of amazingly good things. They're doing a lot of good things for a lot of people, but what happens is, is it runs away from them, and when they start to take care of themselves, it becomes a situation where they feel guilty and they're taking care of their own needs feels painful. They may often feel... Uh, it, responsible to a degree that is completely inappropriate for other people's well-being. Um, perhaps their parents, their spouse, their children, or even just people in general. If, if they do anything, I was reading a book by Adam Grant, and he said that one time he actually apologized for putting his foot in the way of someone who stepped on it. The kicker being that he had been standing still for almost 10 minutes when the person stepped on his foot. I don't know Adam Grant. He's an author and a professor, but he may well have this uh, schema. All right, the next schema that helps us organize things but may work against us, emotional inhibition. This schema refers to beliefs that you must suppress spontaneous emotions and impulses, especially anger, because any expression of feelings would harm others and lead to loss of self-esteem, embarrassment, retaliation, or abandonment. If you are concerned anytime your spouse looks angry, now I'm not saying they're... They, what they're doing, but they look angry or their, their tone goes up a little bit or their voice goes up a little bit, you may well have this schema. Anytime a spouse, uh, I, I was talking to a couple one time and a guy was like, you know, I was, I was at Costco and um, I went to pay and they're like, oh, we don't take MasterCard via Apple Pay, only Visa. So I pulled out my MasterCard card to put it in and they're like, yeah, we can take that, but you can't do credit. We've got to do the, the debit. I'm like, well, it's not a credit card. And, and it, it was all convoluted. And I just said to the guy, I was like, holy cow, do they not want my money? And my wife was like, that was so embarrassing. And, and I didn't say this because the wife wasn't there, but I wonder if the wife had the schema of emotional inhibition. Unrelenting standards, hypercriticalness. Number 13, this schema refers to the belief that whatever you do is not good enough, that you must always strive harder. This motivation for this belief is the desire to meet extremely high internal demands for competence usually to avoid internal criticism. In other words, if I'm perfect, I can't criticize myself. I can quiet the voices in my head. Rarely does that work. What typically happens is because you're ignoring the voices in your head, that's not fair, you're not ignoring them. Because you're not actually addressing the voices in your head, what happens is it goes from an internal criticism to an external criticism. Number 14, entitlement and grandiosity. This schema refers to the belief that you should be able to do, say, or have whatever you want immediately, regardless of whether that hurts others or seems reasonable to them. You are not interested in what other people need, nor are you aware of the long-term cost to you of alienating others. These are people who, like, they'll say, you know, certain words that rhyme with truck about everything and everyone. I just don't need anyone. Brr. Now, often this is because they're afraid of the pain. Or they don't want to have to delay things. So, you know, I'll see this with relationships. One person, they'll just buy. If they want something, they just buy it and, and they'll figure it out. They figure their spouse will figure it out. Uh, and I mean, sometimes it's, you know, regularly small stuff, which still adds up like the Amazon jokes. I actually heard of one couple where the husband just came home with a new truck one day and he was like, you know what? I work two jobs, blah, blah, blah. If I want it, I'm going to get it. Uh, sadly, that 
that relationship failed. That that wife ended up divorcing him. And I can't help but think part of it was probably that he had the schema of entitlement and grandiosity. All right, number 15, insufficient self-control and self-discipline. This refers to the inability to tolerate any frustrations in reaching one's goal. This person, if they're struggling with this schema, what they do is once they start to do something, if it doesn't go right, they stop. I see this a lot with parenting. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. What does that mean? Well, the kid did it again. Okay, so that doesn't mean it didn't work. That just means your kid's human. Congratulations. Number 16, approval seeking, recognition seeking. This refers to the... the, to the placing of too much emphasis on gaining the approval and recognition of others at the expense of one's genuine needs and sense of self. So this is the person that can be anything to anyone when the conversation comes up. If if they're with Trump supporters, they can support Trump. If they're with Biden supporters, they can support Biden. If they're with people decrying all the things around the vaccine, they can decry all the things around the vaccine. If they're with people that are fully supporting all the things around the vaccine, they can fully support all the things around the vaccine. What happens is they just do whatever they have to do to blend in. They're not typically good uh, at dealing with rejections from other people, so they do everything they can to avoid being rejected. All right, number 17, negativity and pessimism. This is the schema that refers to a pervasive pattern of focusing on the negative aspects of life while minimizing the positive aspects. If you think about this one, you might think about magnification and minification from the last two weeks, the cognitive distortions. They worry about possible failures no matter how well things are going for them. Usually these clients had a parent who worried excessively or they experienced some level of high trauma for a, pro- for a protracted period of time. And so what happens is, is they feel like if they can be engaged in negative thought patterns, then they'll protect themselves. If you've seen the new Ma- the Spider-Man movie, MJ actually says, if you expect to be disappointed, you won't be disappointed when you are. And, and that becomes one of her mantras, which you'll need to watch the movie if you haven't. I don't want to ruin the spoilers for you. But that comes directly from a schema of negativity and pessimism. The number 18, the last one, this schema refers to the belief that people deserve to be harshly punished for making mistakes. People with this schema are critical and unforgiving of both themselves and other people. They tend to be angry about imperfect behavior. Now, this goes a little bit beyond, like last week I talked about, like if you drop a bucket and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. My question is, are you angry when you drop the bucket? Do you get angry at yourself? Because if you're getting angry at yourself, you're probably getting angry at other people. That's all 18 schemas. I know that this is a little bit like drinking water out of a fire hose, but there they all are. We're 25 minutes in. I I do want to throw this out there. I want you to be aware of these. Um, If you you want the list, feel free to email me, joe at joemartino.com, and I will send you a, a PDF uh, at, uh, of this list. It doesn't cost you anything, obviously. You can look them up, just Google schemas, uh, S-C-H-E-M-A-S. One of the things that my wife often will say to her clients is, the degree to which you treat other people helps me understand the degree to which you treat yourself. So maybe if you find yourself engaging in behavior that is uh, not kind to other people, even if it never leaves your, your head, take a look at the activity and how you engage yourself. All right, please share this with three of your friends if you enjoyed it. Uh, One of the things that is beneficial to us is being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And one of the ways that we do that is we, we share things with other people that we have benefited from. All right, if you have any questions, feel free to email me. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, 
give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.